Hi everyone, this is editor version of Danny talking to you from beyond the episode. Just a quick heads up that we did have some issues with fan noise in this episode. Uh, we did our best to try to fix it during recording, but we didn't really succeed. So there will be some bits we hear of fans spinning up in the background. Hopefully it doesn't distract you too much. Uh, and otherwise, enjoy the episode. Bye. Hello everybody, this is 30 for Knowledge. I'm George. And I'm Danny. Thank you for joining us today. We've got another great episode today. Danny is going to be teaching us all about uh, his chosen subject. How are you feeling this week, Danny? I'm, I'm feeling good. I like how you were about to say what it is. I know, I was thinking. And, <laughs> and, and here's the thing, what I ended up researching kind of went off tangent a little bit, as the best bits of research do. Um, but to, to answer your original question, I am fab. How are you? I'm great. Got my first jab yesterday. Oh. No, on Friday. Oh yeah, we forgot about that. Feel great, feeling fine. Yeah. Very exciting. No jokes about 5G or something becoming magnetic or... I mean, if there's like interference in the podcast, you know what to blame. <laughs> I was thinking for a while, I was like, this is your fault. <laughs> it's not my fault. You know, I didn't know you had the jab or whatever. Um, you mentioned to me before we started recording that this could be quite a depressing tale. So there's probably a good, uh, good uh, alert I mean, to raise. I mean, I don't want to uh, mention, I don't want to call back too much to the previous episode because in the future, when we are very, very successful and there's hundreds of episodes out, I don't want people to be like, what was the last episode? But I feel that whereas last episode, you took a fairly innocuous object such as the vacuum cleaner and had this wonderfully wacky tale of its origins and all the people involved. My one starts off kind of sad, gets better. But overall, it's still kind of like, eh. uh, so, so yeah. <laughs> that's I'm so excited. Obviously, like no one else can see your face, but what a face all of that sound. And that's, that's another problem. So oh, look, it's all finding my feet. I made so many, many mistakes with this topic. That's why we do. There's so many, many mistakes, and it will, yeah. And, and and you'll see what I'm talking about. Like like problem num- problem number one is a lot of this has to do with imagery. Probably not the best thing to do in an audio medium, but you know we live and we learn. Mate, how many, like, try? I tried to give you so many images yesterday, describing them for at least five minutes until I had found the perfect word, so I wouldn't worry about it. Cool. Um, I think I think if you're ready, let's let's dive in. I'm 30 for knowledge. Okay, you're 30 for knowledge, I'm 30 for knowledge. Our audience are probably 20, 30, 40 for knowledge. Yeah. 50 maybe, we'll see. Uh, but cool, all right, we'll jump into it. So if I was to say the word to you, the word or name or whatever, however you want to call it. I'm so excited. <laughs> Anyway, so if I should say the word, I mean, it might be a bit small because I think we talk about this out of out of business hours. Um, and if I said the word uh, resusa an to you, what what floats into your mind? Well, just like from what I've gleaned, um, mainly from probably having naughty conversations with you when we should be talking about it, <laughs> yeah. is that it's like the kind of standard name or like a famous name of like a resuscitation doll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, totally clean it from us talking about it. But yeah, that's that's uh, that was the start of the topic for uh, for this week. Uh, Rasasa Anne, and uh, you know, some people might not know who Rasasa Anne is or what it is. Uh, I'll say that many millions or hundreds of millions of people have seen her face. Okay. Yeah, and uh, but they might not realize it, and it's actually a face that's been basically paraded around the planet for over a hundred years now, which is a bit of a weird thought. Wow, you're almost like making her sound like some weird like urban myth. Yes, but this is depressing. Like Slender Man. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of is. It kind of, uh, yeah. Basically, I know that we're meant to talk about our sources, but I'll talk about the sources at the end because, again, kind of spoilery as to where this kind of tale goes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to be pro here. So nice, says, I like it. You set such a standard last week that I'm just... And obviously, like, my, my, uh, my sources didn't really give anything away. Um, so our tale starts in the late 19th century in Paris. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Paris. Yeah. So uh, I mentioned mistake number one was uh, me picking a subject that had to do a lot with imagery. And mistake number two is picking a subject that involves a lot of French words. <laughs> and I, I've done five years of French and I can't pronounce French words for the life of me. I mean, um, this is immediately sold the podcast. <laughs> like this episode is going to be worth it alone. For the mispronunciations pronunciations and us both butchering the French language. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm, tr- I'm trying. I'm really trying. So uh, we start in the late 19th century in in late 19th century Paris. Right. Okay. Um, like I said, it gets a bit depressing just to start with. It starts with uh, the apparent suicide of a young woman. Basically, apparently, allegedly, threw herself into the river Seine. 
Sen. 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 The river Sen. All right. We'll, we'll I said that really confidently. You, you said it with such confidence. I, mean, I, I think it's the Sen. The Sen. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll go with it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, so. <are> you... <laughs> I mean, it's already like it could going to be one of the corrections for yeah, the premium. Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll uh, be eventually making that episode. If I ever put this on YouTube, it's going to be comments just full of people being like, "What is wrong with you?" We welcome corrections, by the way. Yeah. If you were a vacuum expert and I got something wrong, <laughs> or if you're an expert on day subject and we get something wrong, please let us know. Yeah. At thirsty, not thirsty, not thirsty. Thirty knowledge at outlook.com. There you go. Good plug. Sorry. So, such, such a good plug. Um, so, yeah, so a young woman apparently threw herself into the river Seine uh, in the late uh, 19th century. The, the date says it's around 1880, but it seems to vary from account to account. Uh, and now, naturally, like good responsible uh, Parisians, uh, they fished her body out. And it was quite a popular way back in the day to kill oneself. I don't know how often people want to kill themselves in late 19th century Paris, I imagine quite a lot. Um, but they fished out her body, and she was unidentified. She was an anonymous woman who no one knew. And so, apparently, back in the day, the popular thing to do, or the correct process, was to get a body and then hang it in the window of the mortuary, waiting to see if it will be identified by passers-by. No yeah. way! That so, is horrific! So, any person who died, whether it's suicide or not, they got taken to the mortuary, and they got displayed in the windows, because... There was no other way to say we need to get the identity of this person. Wow. So, and even more morbidly, is apparently this was actually quite a attraction back in the day. It was like just a thing you do during the day. You're like, oh, honey, let's take the kids and go see who died today, see if there's anyone we know. I mean, that is absolutely wild. <laughs> and and how horrific. I mean, we, oh, I mean, the, the, the relationship with death has completely changed yeah. from, you know, hundreds of years ago to now, that's awful. And, you know, the idea of people going to see their loved ones to identify them is, like, horrific to us now. Mm-hmm. I told uh, only you. a couple of hundred years ago, we were hanging from the windows being like, who is this? I, I, I told you, it wasn't going to be a happy episode. <laughs> is this yours? <laughs> Have you lost this? God, so, that's horrific. It's quite, it's quite morbid. So, so yeah, so apparently back in the day, that's how you did it. You had no way of communicating it any further. You had no way of, you know, projecting information. It was just hang them up in a window, preserve them, and see if anyone recognises them. I mean, presumably they didn't hang them by the neck. I'm not going to lie. When I first read it, I did think of, like, the butcher shop, kind yeah. of, like, like slabs and things. Like a uh, pecking duck in there was a window of Chinatown. <laughs> there was one picture. I, I, it was, like, an illustration, and it showed, like, basically, like, crowds crowding around the window, and then they kind of just have the corpses, like, like pre- well, not pressing into the window, but, yeah. Anyway, but that was that. So Did they just put them in, like, nice clothes? I don't know. I, I mean, I probably should. Ah, oh, Jay, if we if we can find a picture, that'd be great. For you I'll try. And, I'll try and find a picture. I mean, that that'd be a hell of a thing. But I mean, it might, it might get taken. What? Um, Quite literally. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so so that's the start of our story. So uh, now, no one. So spoiler alert: no one would come to identify her or claim her. She this is unknown woman, um, and she would come to be known as Linkonu de la Sin. Uh, again, probably completely butchered it, but that's uh, the unknown woman of the Sen. Uh, and the reason she got notoriety, or the reason she became famous, was the way that the tale goes. Again, there's a lot of ambiguity in a lot of this. So, is this like French folklore? It, it's, it's more like French like, urban myth. I was going to say urban myth. It's, it's basically this is as far as we know, in massive quotation marks, yeah. the official story. Okay, but there's such little, so little verifiable sources and Great. stuff there. So it's 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 contested, but it's not like there's really any other kind of stories out there. Uh, and what happened was this anonymous young woman uh, that they you know they said that she was probably like seventeen, eighteen, nineteen years old at most. She became a fixture of this place because apparently she was so pretty. She died and she drowned, but apparently she was a beautiful young person. And the way the story goes is the pathologist who was on duty and who was keeping track of all these, of all these corpses uh, apparently grew obsessed with her. Um, so, I mean, again, I don't know, 19th century Paris, I don't know what else there was to do at the time, but uh, this guy who was responsible for the bodies grew obsessed with the young woman of the, of the, um, the young unknown woman of the same. Uh, and he grew so obsessed. What? <laughs> <laughs> you just like saw my face. Did you say something? I, th- I think maybe we should just say that like, I don't know where this story is going. Uh-huh. I, it's very <laughs> creepy already. I'm like, ooh. Uh, I, probably... I, I think it might be worth saying 
because I, I don't know where this tale is going, I think it might be worth saying that, like, maybe, I, I don't know, you tell us, like, is there a trigger alert here that we no, no, should no, say? No, 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 I was going to say, that's probably the absolute nadir of the, uh, of, of the creepiness. All right, I, I, I think in future, I think we should be like, if something creepy no, does no, happen, no, no. we don't should worry. trigger the, the, warn. Don't worry, this is PG. Woo! It's PG, uh, uh, besides our language, it's a, it's a very PG kind of thing. Right, it's already so creeps anyway, yeah. but obsessed, um, okay. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it gets a bit weird, but it doesn't get creepy if that difference makes any sense. I mean, it's probably weird enough. You're, you're obsessed with a dead person, but anyway. So, so, and it's his job as well. It's not like some random passerby looking in the window. It's like, ooh, it wasn't that. It was the guy who was responding. Could you imagine if, like, someone walked past, like, the mortuary window, saw a woman? It's like a Disney film where he's, like, a Parisian businessman just walking through, locks eyes to this corpse, and it's like, who is she? <laughs> She's the one for me. I'm, again, very bad with doing this on an audio medium, but I'm wiggling my finger at George to say, <laughs> oh my god not, not exactly not exactly but it kind of like starts to lend itself to that kind of thing so late 19th century Paris okay. it's a very French place <laughs> very it's French a very place. if you think about every stereotypical late 19th century <laughs> French thing where everything is romanticised <laughs> that's the kind of direction we're going in. okay but uh, but yeah so this pathologist he, he, he grew very upset with her and how pretty she was and, and just to clarify when I say with how pretty she was it was the fact that I haven't described what the face was. I haven't described what she looked like. The thing that grew, the thing that drew everyone's attention was the fact that she had this kind of peaceful look to her. Okay. It was this, um, the fact that she had this face that was kind of smiling. Okay. So kind of creepy. Yeah. When you get a body out of the scene of a, of a person who apparently committed suicide and it's a young woman with a smile on her face, it immediately caught everyone's attention and caught the attention of this, of this pathologist. She basically came to be known as like a drowned Mona Lisa because okay. it was just, because you ever seen like the Mona Lisa? She has like a half smile. Mm. That's what the the lady, uh, the, the the woman of the scent had, the unknown woman of the scent had. She had this weird half smile, closed eyes, but like described as they could spring open at any moment. So everyone was like obsessed with her and, and the look that she had. So this pathologist went a step further and basically asked uh, a plasterer to make a cast of her face. Okay. So back in the day, I don't know how often they still do it, but uh, you would make a death mask of something. You make a death mask of the person and that gets kept. So this guy asked uh, a local plasterer to make a death mask of the unknown woman. And that's not too... That's not uncommon. uncommon. That's, that's not too uncommon. That's a lot. People do that all the time. I mean, he, I think he did do it just because he was like, she's so pretty. Mm. And I'm like, a bit creepy. And with like the half smile thing, where you know death is romanticized in her in her death it's almost like she's happy being dead it's like oh she's like she's immortalized peace and happy yeah. and happiness and death and they're like oh yeah so, yeah. so like emo about it yeah <laughs> yeah you're very 19th century french about it it's just yeah it's like, nice century about it um, michael brown as well yeah. <laughs> so yeah so so she had or they had uh, a death mask made of her and now in all my research, I tried to find the exact steps of what happened next. Right? I couldn't find anything. Again, late 19th century, very bohemian, everyone's documenting nothing and just writing tales about everything. Uh, what happened next was he made the mask, we got the mask made, and then somehow it became popular. Somehow it became a thing that people wanted. As in, they started selling it. They, they, they made the death mask of her, and then they started making uh, copies, and they started producing it en masse, and they just sold it. So were they like, a, was like a bust of in her head? It's, it's like, like, like literally like a mask. It's like a bust, but with just a face. Yeah. That kind of thing. So, okay. like, so picture something like the size of a head, just the front of the face. Uh, and then, yeah, and people just wanted it. They were okay. like, they were like, it's weird. Again, with the comparisons like the Mona Lisa, it's like that. It's like having a piece of art. And so this lady was obviously, her, her, her face at the time was uh, closed eyes, you know, like half smile. Her skin is like obviously retreating because she's slowly decaying. No, which is pulling back her lip to smile. No. Oh well. Oh well. Well, this is the thing. Uh, like the descriptions at the time were like her face was very vital and healthy. Wow. As in, so it's like this completely smooth face, no signs of any kind of trauma, no signs of again apologies for upsetting you here, but no signs of like bloating or swelling or decomposition. Wow. None of that stuff was there. It was just perfectly preserved half smile of a woman, almost saint-like. Almost saint-like again. And this is what ends up leading to this um, weird obsession with her and uh, and why she, her face ends up everywhere 
in late 19th century Paris. It's so interesting. It's it's weird. And so, yeah, they started selling reproductions of the, of the death mask, uh, and it became a fixture of people's homes. Ooh. Yes. That's what I thought when I read it. I was on a train writing this stuff, and I was like, Ugh. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, yeah, so, and the exact words were, uh, it became uh, a kind of like interior decoration fixture in Bohemian Paris. Okay. So they were very Bohemian, they were very Paris, and they were just like, have you seen my death mask of Lincoln-Nuit de la Seine? No, no, it looks a lot like my death mask of Lincoln-Nuit de la Seine. You know what we should do? We should go to the shops and buy more death masks of Lincoln-Nuit de la Seine. Um, for all of our friends and 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 that, that's what happened it just became this thing that was wow. in people's houses in Paris and potentially beyond of this anonymous woman that was never identified and was just seen as this like you said this kind of like saint-like figure Christ yeah so what would happen then is over the next couple of years and decades uh, it would be an inspiration for like loads of artists like artists novelists poets songwriters they just took her, uh, the unknown woman of the Seine, and would, like, insert her into fiction. They would just be... They would write stories that revolved around her. They would, like, put, like, these mythical identities against her. And just... You, and she, she was, like, the muse for, like, early 20th century Paris at this point. And it just became this fixture, uh, mostly in France, but it did kind of, like, go a bit more global at that point. Um, and that's where this starts. So we go from late 19th century Paris to about early 20th century Paris. So now we go to Norway... 1913. Okay. And uh, this is kind of like the second half of, of this tale. So we're on the eve of the First World War. On the eve of the First World War, still in Europe. Yeah. And uh, what happened here, an absolute leg end was born. A guy called Asmund Lerdal. Again, I shouldn't have picked this topic with a bunch of people whose names I'm probably <laughs> but Asmund Lerdal. And this was a guy, he's just a Norwegian dude. He was what would become, much like the guy in your in your tale, I think it was Kenny. David T. Kenny. David T. Kenny. Was he the self-made man? Yes. Yeah, so this is the another... The American hero. This is another self-made the man. The all-Norwegian hero. We might as well rename this podcast Self-Made Men. Self-Made just, Men. Just talk about self-made men for, until the end of time. And self-made people. No. Self-made people, don't no, you? Just men. Oh, God. It, it's, it's, it's not... It, it's, it's funny if it's just loads of men being men and, and self-making themselves. Um, self-making themselves. So, now, I'm just going to, like, just just breeze over this guy's early... The first part of this guy's life, right? Okay. Nothing like, interesting happened. He was born, had friends. Well, no, this is the thing. This, this is why this guy's such an absolute ledge. Like, I've written here... My actual note is, Asman Laird was a ledge. ledge. That, that, that's my official note for this for this podcast. Born in 1913 in Norway. He went to business school. You know, fair enough. Norway, business. Um, and then he spent his youth travelling all over Europe by bicycle. What I why can't I do that? Why can't we do that? We should do that. I mean, we, we can't right now. Not right now. Coronavirus. Not right we now. could do that. Yeah, we're, we're getting old, but we could do it. We should do it before we're old. We should do it before we're too old. Um, so spent all of his youth just bicycling around Europe, and then we we're just there getting bloody trains like losers. Just, just, <laughs> like, just, yeah, just training all over Europe like a. I think I've, I've interrailed twice. What a loser! <laughs> could have been on a bike. <laughs> so he does that. Uh, he marries his missus, uh, his missus called Margaret in 1939 on the, the, the eve of the second world war. So at this point in his life, he's about to experience two world wars. Wow. Which, you know, is never fun. He starts a printing business in 1940. And then obviously from about 1941 until 1945, he has to deal with Nazi occupation. Fortunately, he's fine. He doesn't have to go to war. He doesn't have to have any horrific stuff happen to him. So we can have a bit of levity in this story. He's one of the, the, one of the lucky ones of the war. He was. Um, now this guy would go on to, Starts with publishing and publishing children's books. And um, he was very successful, so he starts with publishing children's books. And he eventually goes into toy making and just going into children's toys and making little wooden cars, all this kind of stuff, right? And then, because this guy was such a self-made man and so much of an absolute beast of an innovator, this guy starts experimenting with something called plastic. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I have to remember, up until this point, all kids' toys are made out of only the hardest objects, only wood, only metal, only sharp glass, whatever they were doing back then. I mean, it was splinter central, wasn't it? Splinter, it was, dude, just, it was outrageous. Just I things. mean, I mean, it's one of those, it's one of those things now, isn't it, where like, not to derail the story, but it's, it's like, oh man, he started using plastic. 
Yeah, I did. I did that oh, crap. <laughs> I did that fun. It's like, ooh, he's not using plastic. Oh, shit. What genius? So using plastic. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> There's people in the future like, no, no, it's no. gonna be one of the layers of the earth once we're gone. <laughs> Asmund, don't do it. But Asmund, being the self-made man he is, he's like, no, I will look into plastic. So he starts looking. He didn't into... know. He didn't he, know. He didn't know. No one. Knew. He didn't know about the turtles. He didn't. No. He, I mean, he's not making straws. To be fair. To be fair, he wasn't. He was making. Uh, kids toys. So he starts experimenting by himself uh, with um, with plastic and seeing how it is, you know, getting like uh, soft plastic and PVC specifically. Now, the reason this is such a big deal is, like I said, hard toys were hard back then. It was just wooden cars with metal spikes all over them and all that kind of stuff. He comes up with plastic and he starts manufacturing soft plastic toys. And these are a massive hit. This revolutionizes toy making because it's like, oh, cool. We don't have to worry about our kids being injured anymore because they're playing with you know a solid metal horse and they start making toys they start making toys out of soft plastic and it's all very very successful and one of their most successful ones is the Anne doll so it's a little doll called Anne and it becomes toy of the year I don't know in which area if it's just in <laughs> Norway Norway's toy of the year it could be do we know the year uh, no <laughs> I, I tried I tried really hard but it's just called toy of the year and it might have been Toy of the Year for many years because life moved a lot slower. Toy, back then. toy of every year. Toy of every year until other until the PlayStation. Came I, out, I think right? we should probably take that with a grain of salt. You know like how advertising works. You literally, especially back then, <laughs> say anything. We, no, it's Toy of the Year because we say so. Yeah. Um, but the reason it was Toy of the Year was because it had two very uh, specific um, <laughs> innovations in the line of toys. It had natural hair, and it had eyes that could close. They could go to sleep, and it was just a massive hit. Ooh. Yeah. Now, this has all been very happy-go-lucky and very joyful, so I'm going to bring it back down again. Because <laughs> okay. so for a moment, I was like, this guy is like Santa Claus. He literally yeah. is in a snowy place. He lives in Norway. He's making toys for children. Yeah. He survived <laughs> World War II and World War One, And yeah, he's now seems like a great guy. Yeah. But yeah, so it's all been very happy-go-lucky. Uh, so I'm going to bring it down just to be sad again. He, uh, unfortunately, during a family vacation, he had a little mishap. There was a little mishap where his son, Tor... Remind us of his name. Oh, this guy, sorry. Asmund Laerdal. Right, Asmund. So I'm gonna Asmund's put, son. Asmund. I'm going to call him Asmund. I know the proper thing to use a last name, but this guy's first name... I think that, yeah, his, his first name is also easier to say. It's easier for me to say, because... Yes. Yeah. I'm uh, definitely going to make less mistakes with Asmund <laughs> than to say. So Asmund and his family go on holiday. Right. Tor is a cool name. Tor. Yeah, so it's um, like one letter from Thor. I imagine. I don't know. I, I don't know if um, if if it was meant, if it was like pronounced Thor and it's just a spelling Ooh. because it, they feel very close. But That's great. It's a Norwegian thing. So he was he was Thor before it was Thor. He was Thor. He was the first Thor, or maybe Thor. You know that thing like in Lord of the Rings, where it's like this is like someone's son of something. Yeah, I, I imagine Thor. Imagine Thor's son if he has one. It's called Thor. This yeah. Thor, son of Thor. Nice. Son of Asmund. Son of Odin. Son. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Knowing this guy and his lineage, probably. Um, so, Asmund and her family are all on vacation one day, and then Tor almost drowns. So, his young son almost drowns. I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was just like, no way. Asmund, because he's an absolute legend, pulls him out of the water, does CPR. Well, he doesn't even do CPR, he, but he does like some rudimentary version of CPR, and clears his airways, and his son survives. And he's, and he's all good, he's fine. Uh, that happens. And then life carries on for a bit. So it got a bit sad and we carried on. So, in the early 1950s, sorry, in the mid-1950s, CPR gets developed. So it's developed by a bunch of people. Uh, I think it was a mixture of the American Heart Foundation and uh, some other folks. And they're like, uh, we need to get this out into the world. And they're like, we need to be able to ch- uh, train people to do CPR. We need to be able to get this down to the common man kind of thing. Now, when I was first doing the research, the way it was written was, the American Heart Foundation created CPR, and then they went to Asmund to ask him to make a CPR doll. And I was like, "Hold up, there's a few steps missing here because that's a bit of a that's a bit of a jump." I was like, "This is just one guy in the American Heart Foundation is like, hmm, I know a man in Norway. I know a man in Norway." But the way, but after further reading, what actually happened was uh, because he was one of the leading guys in terms of plastic manufacturing. Oh wow! Okay. In terms of soft plastic manufacturing, they were like, "This guy could be good." And what had happened before that was, I believe, the Norwegian military had actually hired him to do uh, to create fake uh, wounds as part of like training for like the military. Was creating these plastic fake wounds, or I think they called it moulages or something, 
it's this thing that's meant to like help train and help show like you know battle wounds and scarring and stuff and then like, help the train so it. almost like um working with prosthetics at this point yeah it, it's essentially that it's, it's kind of like like i think it'll go on to be called like healthcare simulation or health wow, simulation. Okay. um and so they're like he's an absolute beast in terms of like soft plastics he helps the norwegian military with all their training for like certain health settings and that gets the attention of these people who want to find a way to tr- uh, teach CPR to healthcare professionals all over the world. And so they get in contact with him. And he's like, and only because he was so into CPR because of what happened to his son. And he's like, hell yeah, I'm going to do this. Uh, and so he started making the world's first mannequin for CPR, the world's first CPR trained dummy kind of thing. And then at some point he was like, this needs to look natural. Because the original plan was that, you know, it's just going to be like, just some random head yeah. and some random torso covered in plastic. He had the intuition to be like, this needs to be approachable. There's going to be teaching people. It needs to be something that's kind of not completely scary to, you know, to, to look like at. Like a strange mannequin. Yeah, it can't be a strange mannequin. It has to be a, a fairly approachable mannequin. Relatable, yeah. Approachable and relatable. Now, kind of similar to what you said about like, ooh, that was a good idea at the time. But looking back to like, oh, crying out loud, that's like, <laughs> um, why did you have to do that? Uh, well, it's not, it's not as big a deal, but at the same time as deciding it had to be a natural and relatable looking thing, he's also like, it should be female. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> because he felt that uh, if you're training men in the 1960s, they wouldn't want to essentially do mouth to mouth on, on a, on another man right. kind of thing. Now, ignoring the fact that you're meant to be a healthcare professional and you're training on a dummy, <laughs> that doesn't seem like the biggest issue. That doesn't seem like the biggest issue. Well, it shouldn't be. It, sh- it shouldn't have been the biggest issue. But again, 1960s, it's just good that they were doing this stuff. So he's building his mannequin. He wants it to be relatable. He wants it to be approachable. And he wants it to be female. And he's like, what face? What face should I do? And he thinks back all the way to his childhood. And he thinks back to his grandparents' house. And he was like, they had a very weird mask on the wall of their house. What's oh, that? my <laughs> God. Look who's back. And then he goes, and then uh, the way I picture it is that like, he has like a, a, a thunderbolt hits his head and he goes, L'Inconnu de la Seine. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to, can I, can I practice saying it? Can you say it to me? I want to say it back. You're having a guy who doesn't have to say it, say it to And we, we're going to say it together in like the oh, way okay. he would in that okay. moment of whatever. So, so you so, teach me it? So. Oh, L'Inconnu de la Seine. L'Inconnu de la Seine. Okay. okay. On three? Yeah. Okay. One. Two, three. Lick on you, Dallasen! Thunderbolts. I mean, wow. <laughs> she's back. And she's back. So... It's it's crazy how, like, certain faces from history and, like, certain people's faces, I don't know, resonate with mankind so much that they just stay with us yeah. throughout history. And thinking about all the statues of, like, old... Greek philosophers and poets and stuff and like, we still have like their visage from statues and stuff and they've just survived and, and we're so lucky to have that information as well uh, survive all of the crap that humans <laughs> put the world through like all the world wars and stuff and it's just incredible that it's so interesting that we just like hold on to these like certain faces I, and like I picture what would have happened if they didn't have that death mask or she had never been found and if, and if you would have picked like another person from history or something wow. because like like I said the equivalent was like the Mona Lisa and if he would have been like I don't know let's see what the Mona Lisa would look like if we did it I think for like the future episodes that you do I need to really like tone down my like Owen Wilson wows <laughs> but I'm like generally just like this is amazing it's so fascinating <laughs> so yeah so he's had his Thunderbolt moment so he had his Thunderbolt he's got moment. his face he knows it's wrong and he decided it is going to be her and so he got uh, no he got the death mask and they then re-engineered it to be in soft plastic <sighs> And that was the start of the modern, or I say modern, but the first proper CPR. And we're in the fifties now. This is this uh, this is like nineteen fifty eight at this point. Cool. And then the doll would oh, go. The 60s. Cool. Yeah. So so and then in the sixties is when it goes into like mass production mm. and it goes all around the. Cool. And that is the start of like proper modern health uh, health and treatment simulation. And then it is why, just to add to the creepiness factor of all of this, uh, it is the most in some ways it's called the most kissed face in the world because yeah. in terms of the amount of training and people who do it, it's about 300 million people at this point who've done CPR training with a, I mean, this doll would go on to be called Rosasa Ann. This is Rosasa Ann and it's called Rosasa Ann because they were making an Ann doll before. Wow. And that was their most popular one. And so he was like, yeah, cool. Let's just call it Ann. This is our Rosasa Ann doll. 
Now, for some reason in America, they call it CPR Annie. Because CPR Annie. <laughs> because they're American. And yeah. Americans are going to American. Um, and that's, and that was it. That, that's the one that went out to the world, into all kinds of hospitals and training centers. So, sorry, she's got two names. CPR Annie in the US. And then Resusa Ann. Resusa Ann in the US. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sometimes Resusa Annie. Now, Asmund, being the complete man of a man that he was. Legend. This was only the start of his his triumph because he was like okay we're going to make these things and we're going to train people and stuff but again it's this kind of weird intuition thing where he was like okay we need to set standards for this we need to set like international standards of proper cpr usage he didn't just make it and just be like here you go done that's yeah. my pattern but, but it's, it's like he wasn't even like medically trained he yeah. wasn't a doctor he wasn't any of these things but he, but he had the intuition to be like okay we're now putting cpr out into the world we're going to be training people mm. we need to have like international standards for how to do this properly and how to make sure that people are doing it properly. And so, you know, like, they were obviously very successful, but he would, he then created funds so that, like, like lesser privileged uh, doctors from other countries would be able to travel and, like, learn from this stuff. He supported conferences for this stuff. He supported all this kind of cool stuff. And even today, Lego, the, the company, I mean, they're not really, a, they're not a toy manufacturer anymore. They are a manufacturer of, like... Oh, so the company still exists? They're still around. Wow. And they are still the ones making these simulation uh, uh, mannequins to uh, for CPR and stuff. And it's gone into like other stuff now. It's gone into like, you know, you've got like the infant versions, you've got other yeah. sized people, you've got um, all kinds of like healthcare simulation training and stuff. And they're still like a major player in that. What a legacy. It's cool. I mean, like, I think the, I mean, apart from the use of evil plastic, <laughs> I think, you know, the the Santa Claus moniker, Father Christmas moniker is appropriate, I feel. I've, when you said Santa Claus, I was thinking the kind of Santa, like edgy Santa Claus, like the one where edgy, he's yeah. like topless and ripped. Still with a giant white beard and there's like a sack of like toys and Asmund claws. Asmund claws. But yeah, and so it carried on and he just carried on being wicked at uh, at providing like uh, support for like healthcare stuff up until his death. And then uh, sadly he died in 1981. Uh, So, you know, it was a while ago. Long old last that. 1981. Wow. 1913 to 1981. It's not a bad knock and he did well. And then the work that he did was carried on by Tor. Who took his place? <gasps> the one who nearly drowned. Amazing. Full circle. So he now uh, runs like the foundation that got set up, all that kind of stuff, and yeah, they carried on the work. So where is this was kind of started out as <laughs> the morbid tale of Lincoln New Delicet. A kind of a good thing came out of it. Yeah. In a sense of like her drowning and then the weird obsession with her, and then to Asmund's like being able to save his own kid and then being able to use the knowledge and his innovations and his tenacity to be like, we're going to make this amazing doll and we're going to have it be approachable and so go to all around the world and stuff. I just thought it was amazing. And so was Resus and the first doll? She, she was the first, yeah, she was basically the first CPR mannequin. And since then, there's been, there's been more, more of her from the, yeah. the same company, and, but and, then and they've gotten they've like branched out now of companies make the yeah. Resus and yeah, yeah, completely. And she's like the star, yeah, essentially. And I think pretty much she's still, I think that same template is still used. And I don't know if the same face is used, mm. or, or if it's just a thing that only the, that only the ladle company does, or if it's something that everyone can use. So I don't know. I don't know what what fair use policy is when it comes to a person's face, yeah, um, especially like an unidentified person. Uh, but yeah, but they like updated their stuff and like now their mannequins have like three G in them and like have like metrics and, and that's basically. I do have some little bit, some tidbits. Yeah, I was going to give. So bear with me for two seconds. I just think the um, the the human story of the actual girl of the of the sen is like you know Captain Hindsight as always, but it's just like you know she didn't if she knew like the impact she could have on the world, you know, it's like really sad with anyone. You never know the impact you can have on the world. And it, it was only obviously like her death that that happened. It's a shame. It's, it's, it's really sad. sad. Really I told sad. you it's going to be a sad episode. It reminds me of that Doctor Who episode with like Van Gogh, Van oh, Gogh. And like, they still show him like his future <laughs> yeah. and he still commits suicide anyway. Yeah. That stupid clip gets recommended to me on YouTube every like oh, really? six months. I don't know why. It's quite touching. It's a very touching moment. But... I don't like to randomly start crying in the middle of my work day because a YouTube clip got recommended to me. And it's not like I even searched Doctor Who stuff, but anyways. Um, so random bits of, uh, random tidbits that came up out of this. One thing about, uh, about the lady, for, uh, the unknown lady from the scent. Uh, one historian noted that she basically became the kind of erotic ideal of the time. Wow. Uh, in, in the sense that, uh, so the exact- She's dead. She smiles. <laughs> 
So I'm, I'm and going, she's pretty. I'm going to read the quote verbatim. According to Hans Hesse of the University of Sussex, uh, Alvarez reports, the Inconnu became the erotic ideal of the period as Bardot was for the 1950s. He thinks that German actresses such as Elizabeth Bergner modelled themselves on her. She was finally displaced as a paradigm by Greta Garbo. So it was kind of like before actresses, I yeah. think. So they were like, she's the erotic ideal of the time. And then, you know, moving pictures came along and they became... Like how people deal. styled themselves over their like, icons. People yeah. were styling themselves over like this dead girl. Yeah, and it was uh, very weird to say the least. Uh, so anyways, I promise a bit of um, further discussion. So very sad about it being a suicide and like, like the circumstances around that. A lot of modern folks think it is bullshit. The whole story. As in, when they look at the face, yeah, and when they look at the circumstances, they're like, there is no way this is the face of a drowned woman. Mm. They're like, there's no way in late 18th century Paris, throwing yourself into the Seine and then being dragged out, that you would then have a look on your face of tranquil, peaceful bliss that she seemed to have. Because like, do we know how long she was in the river for? No, there's no info about like... How long she was hanging in the yeah. window for? N- info is very scant yeah. for like all of that. And they were all like, look, again, not to be too more, but they were like, even if she was committing suicides, even if she was like at peace in massive quotation marks with her decision, they were like, yeah, in your final moments, you're not going to be smiling. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have that look in your face. Uh, and they were like, so a lot of people believe that it wasn't, uh, that wasn't the case. Some people believe that it was actually just a regular face mask made by a professional model. Because, because like, one weird point was the reason it's, like, kind of so contested is because they're like, oh, anyone can just smile and have a face mask made of them. Mm. But the key thing here is it's a tiger smile, that kind of half smile. It's very difficult to keep that kind of half smile whilst the cast is being made. You need to be, like, full smile, like, yeah, or tell. But keep, keep it kind of, like, weird, twitchy, like, you know, kind of, like, little... Half smile. That's apparently very difficult. To like it's basically like the WhatsApp emoji. That, yeah, that cheeky like side smile. I think that's a little insight into you there because <laughs> I use that. Yeah. So yeah, so so, so it's contested. that is. I'm trying to do it now. It's quite hard to maintain that like, my cheeks. It feels yeah. It's not like twitching. So they're like, and so some people think that it was a professional model since it was such a difficult thing to do. Right. To be able to do. Some people, the, you know, the twist goes further. Some people suggest it was uh, a mask that she admitted that she was a model. And that she had made, and that the mask had been made, and then she died, or committed suicide, or whatever. And then that got mixed up with the pathologist making the death mask and falling in love with her, and all that kind I of see. thing. I see. So, so maybe both of those things happened, but the story got twisted, and it was yeah. actually, it was already made, and then people just started banking on it. Yeah. Or, the first story is, they just got a model to do it, and then just said it was the girl from the Yeah, same. because, like I said, records from, at that point, like, the actual records of the story are so scanned that it's difficult to get any, yeah. like, one thing. Um, so that was that. So that's the scrutiny that came up to it. Uh, incidentally, the name of the, the people who got checked in with this, like the ones who are doing the research, and they checked in with the people who have the, what I've written here as one of the most undesirable jobs on the planet of the Paris River Police, aka Brigade, the Brigade through, through Vale. I'm never going to do a French topic ever again. Um, aka the folks responsible for pulling drowned bodies from the Seine, even to this day. Yeah. Because it's still a thing that happens. And they were the experts who were like, yeah, no, you would never have that kind of face like, after what's happened. Uh, moving on to the rest of the things. Duh, 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 duh. The Lorenzi workshop in RQL in Paris uh, is the one that did the death masks. And so they have life and death masks of numerous historical figures. And they still have them, including the death masks of Napoleon and Beethoven. So this is still a place you can go to and see these things. So they, they were producing them. Yeah, so even like at the time. And they still exist now. They still exist now. Are they more like a museum now? They're still doing it? Unknown. Oh. <laughs> but, but they've got Napoleon and Beethoven. Napoleon, Beethoven, and a million others who were in Paris at the time or like at some point in their lives because they do life and death masks. Gosh, just imagine these like creepy people just waiting on like on like the curb in Paris with like a bucket of <laughs> plaster ready to go. Like, plaster Get in Paris at any mask. moment. It's like, there's a dead guy, quick, get a space. <laughs> Throw plaster on him. All over him. Quick, for the police car. <laughs> yeah, so, but yeah, apparently this is a place. Collective another face. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll sell them. Um, but yeah, apparently this is a place where, where you can still go and see these things. And they still sell copies of Lincoln New Delicent, so you can still get it. We should get one! I don't know if we should. <laughs> if we ever, if we ever get 
anywhere. <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> I just don't want to jinx it. But if we look anywhere and like maybe we have like a room where we do this regularly, besides from my bedroom where we are right now. Um, you want to have a death mask? We should get one as so like bad. a trophy. Oh, that'd be great. We should get one and hang one up. Let's all call it a trophy though. That's it. <laughs> I, after the episode finishes, I, will, I require the website and I want to, but I'm going to buy the death mask. Yeah. Uh, but it's, but now it's called uh, Noye de la Seine, the drowned woman of the Seine rather than the unknown woman of the Seine. Um, and last, last bit of trivia. How do you think this whole story relates to Michael Jackson? Not to make it weird, I'm just asking. <laughs> um, from Smooth Criminal. Oh, did you know? What did you just guess? Um, so my housemate is a nurse, and he accidentally gave me that little tidbit of knowledge <sighs> oh, there. I hate your housemate. Um, but I'd love to hear it from you to, to clarify, because I'm not sure how... I know that's what it's based on in the song. Mm-hmm. And are you okay? Are yeah, you okay? Are you okay, Annie? But like, what's the link? Why, does, why did Mark Jackson put that in? Uh, no idea. <laughs> well, my flatmate says he was doing a resuscitation course at the time. Oh, okay. He was like learning about CPR and then he found out the doll's name was Annie. Mm-hmm. And so Mark Jackson being creative person that he is, he, yeah, he was like talking to the doll and Annie, are you okay? And he put it in the sun. So a slight tweak for that, at least from what I read, is that um, it is actually part of what you're meant to do before you give CPR. Because you're, you're meant to wow. check with the victim you're meant, or, or the person who's, who's, who's you're going to give a CPR to you check them first you're like are you okay do you remember when, when we did CPR training and you're meant to shout at the person first like hello 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 all that kind of wow, stuff wow I don't when was that sixth form sixth form yeah that's a very long when time when 16 so, I need a refresher but yeah it's but yeah when you first approach the victim you shout first to see if they're responsive at all you're meant to go like hello hello are you okay are you okay I am I am are you alright <laughs> want a cup of tea <laughs> I mean, that's, that, that would be all my mum off it straight away. Yeah, basically. Are you okay? It's like, yes, it's, it's a very British thing. Someone's just there in the middle of the road. Mike. I'll come and, back with a cup of tea. <laughs> but yeah, so you're meant to like get any kind of indication from the victim if they're uh, responsive at all. And you might say, hello, are you okay? But back then, back when ever Michael was doing this, you're meant to, because the doll's called Annie. Yeah. It's Annie, are you okay? Annie, are you okay? That's how it he must have just he must have just said it and been like that's really sick lyrics it, what he looked in the mirror that's really good that's really that's good really Michael good. It's like, Michael that's I, really good that's really good Michael I, I see why you're such a big deal Michael <laughs> Michael Annie <laughs> do you agree Annie um, but I mean like as both like creative people as well we have moments like that where we like say something or write something down and just be like oh, that's actually really yeah, good so I imagine okay. I can't. hopefully you went through a similar process like that as well yeah, you'd hope so. Um, but I mean, great yeah. song. Love that song. Absolutely great song. And it's going to have extra meaning to me now. Yeah. Every time I listen to it, I'm going to be thinking of really morbid stuff. Michael Jackson saving lives. Mm. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll go save there. that for another episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's it. So all of this started. People, 300 million people across the planet have now learned CPR from a toy maker. And a lady who allegedly committed suicide. Dane, that was so. I know you were like, a little bit worried about like like the the morbidness of the content, but like that was so fascinating. And I think we, you know, part of part of this and why it is so fascinating is the human struggle and and, and part of like you know the morbid curiosity because mm-hmm. humans are so weird. Yeah. And what was that? What was the the moniker, the title you gave her earlier? Like the woman who's been kissed. Oh, the most the kissed, the most kissed woman in the world, the most kissed face in the, the world, the most kissed face in the world. Like, and the fact wow. that we, me, and you probably have done that. Yeah, and, and kissed. Yeah, we, we, well, not each other. Yeah, well, by proxy of Annie. Rosetta Ann. Yeah, we mm. managed it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just goes to show, like, even we have had have been impacted. Had that snog? I've been yeah. there. You've, so that's the thing. We've seen this face. We've seen her face. We didn't even realize it because you know it's just we thought it's like some blank mannequin that was just anonymous, just some. There is, and maybe it is the French emo late 18th century man. 19th century. Late 19th century man that I am. Um, (laughs) But there is something very romantic and morbidly beautiful about the fact that this unknown drowned woman of the Seine's memory has continued. Mm -hmm. You know, she was unclaimed in in, in the city. I assume she might have been raised in, like, no one claimed her. She was left, her body was like left to by herself. And, And now it's like, part of the tapestry of human life yeah. and that's quite an amazing it's, thing yeah sad sad begin end to her story but 
a weird, you know, strange honour to her memory. Yeah, I mean... This person that wasn't claimed has now been claimed by all of humanity and she's saving lives. Like 300 million people. I mean, yeah, like I said, it kind of went into a direction that I was like, where is this going? Like, when I started, like, reading through it. The thing that interested me most was Asmund. And, like, the whole thing with the unknown women of the same... You know, it's tragic and heartbreaking and, you know, it's got this bohemian, Parisian romanticism uh, with it. But the thing that ended up kind of, like, drawing me to this was Asmund. And it's a really weird thing to, to latch onto, but it was because he was such... Um, one of the sources that I read was the... was I think it was like almost like the obituary right. of, of Asmund Of Asmund himself. Yeah, so it's called, like, In Memoriam of Asmund Ladle. And, and it's one of the sources. I'll, I'll send a source or I'll post a source of that. Uh, and just go through all the stuff he did and just talk about... Like, he was such, he was such, like, a kind of kind and gentle soul and stuff. But at the same time, they said the flip side was, he was one of the most tenacious and stubborn people that people would meet because, like, when he had an idea or whatever, he just followed through with it. So wow. Just went through nonstop. I just, see, see some ele- elements with Kenny, you know? Exactly. Like I said. Men, like, very, like, shrewd businessman, mm-hmm. eye on the prize. That's the thing. And, and just the fact that this guy, this toy maker, would end up being so heavily involved in, like, medicine... And like the distribution of you know like medical training and and like training aids to like so to, you know millions of people, mm. um, a, you know, and a big deal, a, a big part of that happened was because of his own near tragedy with his son and the fact that he was so passionate about it afterwards. It's crazy, isn't it? It's I that's the bit that that, that hooked me because I was like bloody hell. And it's and I think that's my favorite part of the Asmund story. Yes, it is like this. Um, I have a question about Norway afterwards, actually, as well. Okay. But um, he is like this, like, yeah, like, you know, making toys, business, no place, Santa Claus character. But, like, his passion to not only fulfill, like, a contract, essentially, but then to, like, take a hand in this information needs to be out in the world to save lives, just like how I kind of accidentally saved my son because CPR wasn't a thing or yeah. it was a rudimentary one, it was a rudimentary uh, idea that they had or method they had before. Uh, before, but then thinking of Tor, um, had his son not drowned and he had not had, yeah. if he didn't need to do that, would would he have been interested? Would he have gone through with it? Would we have had had the tools as soon as we have them now? Mm-hmm. How long would it have taken for modern CPR methods to be invented? And it's amazing now that every time we go for CPR courses or like you know like medical training top ups, CPR is always a little bit different. Yeah, like the methods always getting improved on by as like you know research and and our, our knowledge of the body so my question about Norway was were was there something because I know for people who don't know Danny lived in Norway for a little while were you also drawn to that like aspect of the story no I didn't even know he was Norwegian, Norwegian or anything I just it just went from like I didn't know that Rosetta Anne was built in Norway by a Norwegian man in a Norwegian company just so it happened uh, to be there and uh, I'm the worst tourist in the world, so like even, even in my time in Norway, I didn't like do a lot of uh, checking galleries. And you could have gone to the ladle factory. I could have. I, I, it's not even. In, uh, it's not in Oslo. It's in Stavanger. I think it's there. There's some other uh, place in, in Norway. But yeah, but if I ever get a chance to go back to Norway, I want to kind of like see if there is uh, a museum for this or any kind yeah, of cool. like you know like any kind of building or insulation or You could buy a full-size Rosassi and for our new office. I do Oh, and then we could compare to the desk masks. See, see how they compare to each other. There you go. There you go. Um, Put that in the bank for later. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's uh, that's basically the tale. I'll try and find something less sad for next time. No, but I think I think the I think the sadness and the, the very human element of it, yeah. I think, works really well. And that's why it's such a fascinating story. Thank you. That was awesome. Like, there were so many... Oh, I was, it's so interesting. <laughs> Thank so, you. so interesting. And, and to play us out, I will now play Smooth Criminal. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I don't know what Spotify will think of that. I don't, we haven't had that no, conversation no, with Spotify we haven't, spoke to, we haven't spoken to Mr. Spotify yet. No. Yeah, so what he thinks. Any, any last questions or thoughts about us? I'm, I'm just like trying to think of anything we need to say in terms of if you've got any ideas for yes. future topics, um, you can send them to us at 30 for knowledge uh, at outlook.com. Mm-hmm. Um, hit us up on Instagram, same thing, 30 for Knowledge. Yeah, not, yeah, that's, uh, we're, we're getting our social channels in order and trying to make sure we're, we're spreading ourselves as thin as possible. And again, we, if you hear something that you think is wrong and you've got a correction you'd like <laughs> to make, 
I mean, send it in. I'd love to see them and hear them. And we've got like some ideas about how we could use them for future episodes where we address any any mistakes we make, if any, Danny. That could yes. be, we could be amazing. Yes. There we could, could be none. Amazing. But I'm sure we're all human. Please, please send audio clips of how we should have pronounced everything uh, if we got any pronunciations wrong. I uh, will address those. And we'll address those uh, in a hypothetical future episode that may never come. I'm still thinking about my topic for next time. Yeah. I haven't landed on one yet. I've got a couple of ideas, um, but whatever one I, I choose should be hopefully interesting. Uh, you know, if, if, if there's something we've proven, we can get interesting entertainment out of, out of any topic. <laughs> any topic. I, I, think, I think that should be... I mean, if we ever start to like get low on ideas, I think we should challenge ourselves to be like, all right, I'm going to pick the most mundane nonsense. I'm gonna a desk! <laughs> It's like, how did hair gel get invented? Well, I mean, like with the vacuum, it was like, I chose that and I'm just like, there's a treasure trove behind it. So I did just shout out a desk, but now I'm like, but if I start looking into it, there's going to be like a triple homicide somewhere in the desk's history, which would be fascinating. More on that later. Next time. Uh, Danny, you need to ask me the question. George, are you still 30 for knowledge? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know what else to say. Oh, yeah, yeah. I am. I am. I you, want more. You, you had the line ready. And yeah. No follow up. <laughs> I did. I've been waiting all episode just to say that line. Um, I'm, I am so ready. Ready for more. Okay, well. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening, everyone. I've been Danny. And just before we go, very low realising. I've been told we need a jingle. Do we? I don't know. Do but if someone wants to mock up an interesting jingle, anyone skilled out there? Do you still play guitar? When I first played guitar, Danny, I didn't really play guitar. I just like hit the strings in like a beat, and it kind of sounded alright. We, we, we've made a theme song before. Yeah. Mostly from you strumming the guitar. It's like on one chord. Yeah. <laughs> it worked, right? It, it we, did. We had an intro theme. Um, okay. But if you can think of a jointed tune, uh, that could be our our jingle, intro and, uh, intro and exit jingle, I'd say. Okay, so we could have an intermission one. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand the full purpose, we'll talk about that later. This is a funny take a break. If, if I'm halfway through a story, I'm like, ah, oh, CBA. <laughs> I do kind of wish we were like one of those like, American radio stations where we had the buttons. Oh, the, uh, the like, soundboard. Like a soundboard, yeah. What would our DJ names be? <laughs> our American DJ names. Uh, I'm just gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll just call myself DJ Asmund at this point. Asmund at 10.95am! <laughs> Asmund and the vacuum. Um, oh, that's great. No, it's not. No, He's no, here! It's not. Like, oh, what's up I hear? Oh, it's the vacuum. <laughs> I mean, whatever semblance of rails this was on, we're no longer on it. No, right. Back to, back to it. I've been George. <laughs> I've been Danny. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. See you next time. Bye. Oh my god, wow, what an amazing episode. Editor Danny here again, just to provide the sources that I promised to provide and then I didn't provide any edit. The three main sources were the BBC News article, uh, Resusa Ann and Lincoln New, the Mona Lisa of the Sane, written by Jeremy Grange in 2013. An article on sciencealert.com titled How a Dead Girl in Paris Ended Up with the Most Kissed Lips in History, from 2018, by Peter Dockrell. And lastly, the official In Memoriam of Asmund S. Ladel. I guess it was the obituary page, uh, written, originally written in 1985 and is available on the cambridge.org website. Links will be available in the podcast description. Thank you for listening. Bye.